On this edition of the Marcus Wall Show, we're barking our way through the dog days of summer, talking MLB trade deadline moves and their impact on the stretch run, the NFL in preseason, plus the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, local coverage of High School Media Day here in the Lowcountry, plus NCAA money moves ahead of the upcoming college football season. All this and much more is coming up on the Marcus Wall Show, and it starts right now. Clear the mechanism. Attention high school sports fans, are you an armchair official? You know, the parent or fan who constantly yells at the referees and loves to let everyone know just how bad you think they are. Well, if you think you could do better, then get in the game and prove it. It's time for you to suit up and make the calls where they actually count. Every sport in South Carolina needs more officials. Sign up today at highschoolofficials.com. Welcome in and thanks for joining us on this Dog Days of Summer edition of the Marcus Walsh Show from the Bat Cave. Marcus Walsh with you. Kevin Libby will be alongside shortly. Larry Jackamot and Tyler Brown of TBMM Productions helping with the voiceovers and the musical tunes from afar. I can mention Larry uh, right off the top. We were hoping to have him today. Uh, we definitely plan on having him sometime soon because I really want to get his take on the business of sport, certainly some things that are going on, and we've got high school football well underway in terms of teams talking to the media. We had media day uh, earlier this week back on Thursday, and so I wanted to get his perspective on that. He's been working with the WHHI crew and many other outlets, universities, you name it, within the technical and production um, side of broadcasting for many, many years. Um, he's done a whole lot of stuff for different universities around Ohio and beyond and worked in a lot of different areas all over the country. Has been here um, in the low country of South Carolina for a while now, certainly. And I've worked with him for the last uh, several years as well. I think we go back to about 2000 and... I guess it was 18 with uh, with basketball first, and then I came back on the football scene. Um, so we've we've been working well and uh, working for quite some time now. So we'll have Larry on sometime here very soon, and looking forward to that. I'll talk more about Media Day and what we've got upcoming for football here in just a bit. Don't know if you folks have realized this, but this is the first time that we've been with you in this format and that I've been with you with the show in about a calendar month. Last time we uh, did a show was back on the 8th of July, and we are into August. Very busy month of July for both Kevin and myself. So uh, we are back. Glad to be back, of course, and glad you are here with us. And since that time, we have had a... Open Championship winner, and oh, by the way, it happens to be none other than Brian Harmon of Savannah. He was quoted as saying, after the win, he's over the moon with a tremendous performance, and he just really played outstanding the entire week, 
He grabbed a five-stroke lead with a five under 67 on Friday. That was round two. And, and then he was able to have a really, really strong goal of it in the back half of the tournament. The ranked 26th player in the world finished his surprising run at rain-drenched Royal, Liver Royal Liverpool, carding a 1-under-70 in the final round to win the Claret Jug with a 72-hole uh, total beg your pardon, of 271, six shots better than South Korea's Tom Kim, Austria's Sepp Straka, Australia's Jason Day, and Spain's John Rahm. This, of course, all according to ESPN.com and ESPN senior writer Mark Schlebaugh. Interesting to see his name on the golf circuit. And he was was jeered and booed, and we, we heard about that as well. But he ended up playing really strong down the stretch. The six-stroke margin of victory matches the second largest in Open Championship history by golfers representing the United States. Tiger Woods won the Claret Jug with an eight-stroke margin at St. Andrews in Scotland in 2000. Harmon, age 36, the oldest first-time major champ since Spain's Sergio Garcia, who is now 37, won the 2017 Masters. And uh, this was a huge win for him. He was a 125-1 to underdog to win the Open, and he wasn't a favorite in Vegas or anywhere in England, let alone... Uh, Royal Liverpool and tell you what he played really well ended up playing some of his time with Tommy Fleetwood a fellow Englishman and of course Rory McIlroy Cam Young was very much in the thick of things and has been very much in the thick of things for a long time since joining the tour and Harmon joins Bob Charles in 1963, and Phil Mickelson in 2013 is the only left-handed players to win a Claret Jug, the third PGA Tour victory, and the first that he's won since 2017's Wells Fargo Championship, and that was six years, 77 days prior to this win again happening just a few weeks ago. The fourth longest winless drought in PGA Tour history to be snapped by a player's First major championship victory, according to research by ESPN's Stats and Info. Definitely a grinding performance, and a lot of great players, but there was one at the end of the day that did the best, and that was Brian Harmon. Again, got out to a huge start, was able to hang on and get it done, and finish it really in a in great fashion so congratulations to brian Harmon. jason day was seven under tom kim seven under step straka seven under john rom seven under all tied for second place and so those were the top five brian Harmon, 13 under ended up winning three million dollars for that win at royal liverpool golf club in hoylake the total purse of $16,500,000. Tournament was towards the end of July, 20th to the 23rd, so a few weeks ago now. And uh, congratulations again to the Low Country's own out of Savannah, Brian 
Harmon. I'll get to media day and uh, and some thoughts on the football season here in the Low Country as far as high school goes. Again, in just a moment. But I want to talk as we will later as well with the Major League Baseball trade trade deadline out of the way, and now the last couple of months are free for teams to just try to do what they can do to stay in the playoff hunt, get more firmly into the playoff hunt, uh, or just finish up their season at this point. I want to talk a little bit about what the Cleveland Guardians did because there was a move that I was slightly surprised by initially but really liked, and that was the first move that they made they, they ended up getting Noah Syndergaard, and I think that was a really good move in terms of trying to get some extra pitching because Cleveland could really use it. They really have struggled a little bit here as of late with the fact that they have three of their top guys in Shane Bieber, Cal Quantrill, and then Tristan McKenzie all out, still with injury. So they really needed a guy to come in and get it done. And Noah Syndergaard pitched really well in his first start with the club. Went five and a third and ended up leaving with a leg injury. Ball came back, got him on the calf, and he is set to pitch for Cleveland tonight to make his second start. So we'll see what happens with that. And um, I said Los Angeles. It was the New York Mets that he started off with. It was the L.A. Dodgers that he was pitching with in 2023. He also pitched with Philadelphia, the Los Angeles Angels, the New York Mets. And coming off injury, he had had Tommy John. I think he can be a guy that can log five, six innings to start the rest of the way. And then who knows? It, It may turn out that he's... A little bit more effective than that. And maybe they decide to bring him back next year. Maybe he's not just a journeyman guy. And a guy that can bridge to the return of Bieber. Of Bieber. Of Bieber. Or Quantrill. Or certainly Tristan McKenzie. We'll just have to wait and see. But you've got guys like Allen. Who started and battled and pitched really well last night. You've got Bybee. You've got Williams, and Williams is pitching in a couple of days as well um, that are young, and and we'll see what they can do as well as the stretch run happens. So that move, you know, I was a little bit surprised by it initially, but I I didn't mind it. And then they, uh, they just recently got Cole Calhoun. I don't mind that because that was just a cash move because Josh Naylor got hurt, and as well... Uh, Tyler Freeman, infielder, goes down with an injury additionally, so Brian Rocchio is up. I don't mind those moves. Those are necessary things within the post-trade deadline, so that certainly makes sense as well. The move that really caught me a little bit off, pardon me, caught me a little bit off guard, and I just wish it would have been made later in a way because of the pitching aspect of things and the fact that now they're going to continue especially with Xavion Curry and the fact that he's going to be asked to go you know three innings of start 
maybe four innings. They're going to try to stretch him out. I think they maybe should have thought about this a little bit beforehand. Was the move of trading Aaron Savali to Tampa Bay, and I get they, they got some prospects or a major prospect back in a first baseman uh, from Tampa Bay, but I really think that Aaron Savali could have helped this team. This move was made last Monday, and it really had me scratching my head. Um, I've, I've come to grips with it since, but we'll see what he does in Tampa Bay. He's going to a great team, but th this was hard, hard to see. And then Josh Bell was the other one, which didn't surprise me at all. Josh Bell going to Miami for another minor leaguer. Cleveland was able to grab Gene Segura as well, but they were going to quickly move him out of the way as well. Kyle, uh, Kyle Manzardo is the guy from Tampa that they got for Aaron Savali. And Manzardo is a young guy. He's coming off a shoulder injury. And the hope is that he can provide some pop going down the line, you know, years from now. They didn't go after a guy like Jack Flaherty, but like I said, they did end up getting Noah Syndergaard. And so he's the 31, uh, the 31st best prospect is Manzardo in Major League Baseball. And he's really, really good from, from what... I've learned a little bit about him. We'll see how things can shake out. You never know what exactly is going to go on with Josh Naylor because he's been banged up a little bit as well. Josh Bell to the Marlins. Khalil Watson was the guy that ended up being the main haul that Cleveland got back. Again, they did get Gene Segura, but he ended up just being released right away. Um, or at least that was the thought. First round pick in 2021 was Watson. And 20 years old, Marlins High A affiliate, formerly before going to Cleveland, 12.4% swing strike rate. Some of the numbers. And 13th best prospect for the Marlins, according to fan graphs. All of this info courtesy of uh, of CoveringTheCorner.com. And so those are some of those moves that Cleveland has made. They're still hovering around the 500 mark. Andre Jimenez needs to start hitting. He had a couple of doubles, two-run homer yesterday, and hopefully he can really get things going because it's going to be he and Ramirez now. Cleveland did get Cole, uh, Cole Calhoun. And the hopes is, you know, that Will Brennan, Oscar Gonzalez, and a few others can continue to shine. And then maybe you get a guy, one of those top three starters back, and this team can still viably and possibly make the playoffs. We'll just have to, uh, to wait and see on that. So all in all, things are as they are. It was a bad road trip. Cleveland did not play particularly well in Houston. They did not play particularly well in Chicago, although they split the four-game series in Chicago. They did not win a game in Houston. They start the homestand 
with Chicago and then Toronto off on a good foot. They were able to revenge their loss to Mike Clevenger last weekend by beating him last night. And we'll see how this homestand goes and maybe it can get this team back on track who's still very much in the hunt in a bad division. The American League Central has to be the worst division in baseball, in my opinion. Um, going to be interesting to see what happens. We talked to a whole bunch of teams at Media Day at FWDG the other day. Coming up next week, we'll have the Facebook interviews that I did for WHHI. Loco Sports was there. Uh, WTOC, I believe, was there. Yes, they were. Bob Stevens was there uh, with me, certainly, for WHHI. His interviews are on the news and whatnot. Plenty of stuff coming up, but we were able to talk to Hilton Head High, Thomas Hayward, Hilton Head Prep, Whale Branch, Hilton Head Christian Academy, Bluffton, uh, May River was there, John Paul II was there, Buford Academy, Battery Creek, Cross even was able to show up in their second year of 11-man football. Um, Buford High was the last ones that were there. We were glad to see them, the state champs. So we were able to see a ton of teams on Thursday, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the star athletes on these teams and, and how they just mesh and gel. You've got coaching situations that are happening you've, uh, that are happening and changing. You've got players transferring from one school to another, a whole bunch of different things. But there are teams that are set to make some pretty serious runs in Skiza and in the high school league. And I got to tell you, there are three teams in each, and I'm going to see a lot of each Skiza and, and the uh, high school league with Larry Jackamot. Possibly Kevin will be joining us for some football stuff as well. Daniel Court, myself, the rest of our crew. Um, three teams in Skiza that I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, top to bottom. I think that Buford Academy is going to be really good this year. They've got a couple of guys coming over from Thomas Hayward. I think they're going to be really good. Uh, I'm looking forward, certainly, to seeing what Hilton Head Christian Academy can do. They've, they've got some talent back. Last year didn't end quite like they were hoping for. Seven and four, they were knocked out of the first round of the playoffs. They have that championship pedigree as well. And then the team that I think is going to really be resurgent, come off a little bit of a down year last year, of course, John Paul II. And we're going to see Thomas Hayward and John Paul II week one uh, in less than two weeks from now, August 18th at JP2 on WHHI-TV at 7 p.m. That's when that game will be on, and uh, we'll have it for you. So that's the first game of the season for us. Those three teams at Skiza, I think, look really good. They have great rosters, obviously great coaches all around the board, but in particular, those three teams really well coached. And, oh, by the way, Shane Milligan is the new head coach at John Paul II. Was very impressed by him and his thoughts on the team going into this inaugural season for him on Thursday. And on the high school side of things, Buford, you know, coming back from their championship, they know that teams are going to be hunting them, especially in 8-3-A, but I think they're going to be poised to, excuse me, be really good and possibly do it again. They're going to be outstanding, I think, again this year. 
They're a team definitely to watch out for. I think Bluffton's going to take a big step up. We saw them against Hilton Head at the Bridge Bowl last year. <clears throat> and they were just outstanding in that game. It was back and forth. They've got some new guys and uh, some new positions to fill. They lost some guys. Certainly uh, a couple of big losses, including Jalen Linder. But they have a very good quarterback coming through the program since Max von Hohenstraten is gone, and that is Owen Bays. And then uh, they have a lot of really good players, you know, on the outside. I, I think their line play will hold up well, so they're another team that I'm looking forward to seeing. Certainly Caleb Ulmer at Buford, another key player on the uh, Buford Eagles to watch out for. And then you can't forget about Hilton Ed. I, I said this team's like a, a team a little bit, you know, like a snake in the grass or laying in the weeds a little bit, and they're just sneaking around. Troy Timko, the running back, really good player on both sides of the ball, but particularly at running back, you have a guy that is really solidifying himself and solid at quarterback in Jackson Bybee. And obviously with the offensive line that they have and, and some of their guys, this, this is a team that can do a lot. And they're going to have to go up against some really tough competition in Bluffton and even May River in 7-4-A, let alone the state. Talking about, you know, teams like Whale Branch and, uh, and uh, Buford as well. A lot of those other teams had great things to say about their guys. It's a transitional period for a lot of them working into practice and whatnot. And uh, really looking forward to this season. Everybody was and had a lot of really great things to say to myself, to Bob, to the Loco Sports folks and uh, WTOC that were all there. Great event as always. And so interviews will be happening on Loco, uh, their media platforms on WHHI with Bob. And soon they'll be out via uh, yours truly on Facebook as I had the social media beat for WHHI TV. So all of that coming up. Again, August 18th is the kickoff of high school football. Kevin might be involved with it as well. It's going to be really fun to see what happens this season with high school football. Only on WHHI Sports. We'll be working with our colleagues as well all through the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. No doubt about that. Um, I think that will about do it for this opening segment. Talk to guards. Talked some stuff with golf, including one of Savannah's own and Media Day. A whole lot more straight ahead on the Marcus Wall Show. Kevin will join me when we come back. We've got a lot more to talk about, including some NFL news. We'll get his takes and, and mine as well on how the trade deadline uh, certainly impacted the rest of the Major League Baseball season going forward, and a whole lot more. It's all coming up on the Marcus Wall Show. The music you hear on the Marcus Wall Show is provided courtesy of TBMM Productions, Tyler Brown Multimedia, for all things low country. Dial 843-715-1935. We can do it, take your time, do it right, we can do it, baby. Welcome back in, and thanks for joining us on this Dog Days of Summer edition of the Marcus Wall Show from the Batcave. Batman. Yes, indeed. Kevin Libby alongside. And again, Kevin Libby alongside. Uh, Kev, how are you, buddy? 
Oh, Marcus, happy. High summer here in the low country. Sure is. I love it. You know, some folks compare this to being way up north in January. Because we're spending the electric, you know, it's the money going into the electricity. So, air conditioning money, it's expensive, yes. But so much cheaper than shoveling and paying to get the roof cleaned off and all the different things go into that. Imagine being the guy getting the roof. A uh. lot less work, too. For, for people like you, my dad, your dad. Oh, man. Dads oh, man. generally love the South. Yes. Or whoever ends up on the roof. Sometimes Co- it's dads. Coincidentally, my dad is in the North, but uh, not in Ohio. Uh, baby shower day for, for oh, Tenley. So um, the ladies actually are doing that. And uh, that being at their place in Etna, New Hampshire. And I think I heard maybe a trip to the Basketball Hall of Fame for Austin and my dad today. Beautiful Springfield, Massachusetts. Indeed. I love it. Right down 91 from my alma mater. We'll be getting there, uh, Sam and I, in October. And then, uh, as well, trip to Canton in December. So That other hall. Speaking of that hall, Marcus, my gum. Well, We'll we'll get to that shortly. Alrighty. Um, we will get to the NFL stuff. There's there's lots to talk about as far as that because the NFL season has started with the uh, with the Pro Football Hall of Fame game and the induction ceremonies today. I listened to some of them, have them recorded. But we'll get to that in just a little bit. But I want to talk first and foremost with you about Major League Baseball. I talked about the Guardians in the uh, in the monologue. And let's go over the standings, see how things may or may not have changed the uh, the last, or I should say, since the last time we were uh, here and having a show. The Baltimore Orioles, 68-42. and 42. They're in first place, folks. That's a change. They're two and a half games up on Tampa Bay, who is 67-46. and 46. The Toronto Blue Jays at 61-50, and 50, seven and a half back. Cleveland will see Toronto next week. The Boston Red Sox, 57 and 52, 10 and a half games out. And the New York Yankees above 500 as well at 58 and 53, 10 and a half games out. In the Central, the Minnesota Twins, 57 and 54, two and a half games ahead of Cleveland, who is at 54 and 56. Seven and a half back are the Detroit Tigers at 49 and 61. The Chicago White Sox at 43 and 68, 14 games out. And then Kansas City, no way are they in the hunt. They're at 36-75, and 75, 21 games in back of first. In the West, how will the West be won? Hmm. The Texas Rangers lead the way at 64-46. and 46. Two games back are the Houston Astros at 63-49. and 49. Both made huge moves that we'll talk about in a moment. The Seattle Mariners at 58-52, six games back. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim at 56 and 55, eight and a half back. And then the Oakland A's, 30 and 80, the worst team in baseball, 34 games out of first. In the National League, did you have something that you wanted to add? The worst team in baseball, you can bet on that. Yes, indeed. It's a Vegas reference. Are we enjoying these things? All right. They could be on their way. The Atlanta Braves, 70 and 37, now the best record in the bigs. The Philadelphia Phillies, 59 and 51, 12 and a half games out. The Miami Marlins, 58 and 53, they are 14 games out. The New York Mets, sellers, 50 and 59, 21 games out. The Washington Nationals, at 47 and 63, 
24 and a half games out. In the Central, holy cow, the Milwaukee Brewers have taken flight. They are 59 and 52, leading the way. Cincinnati in second place at 59 and 53. Boy, if Cincinnati would have had the year in 2022, or if they would have had this year in 2022, as I predicted them to win the Central, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, they would have really made me look good. The Chicago Cubs. We aren't 50, really gamblers, are we, Marcus? That's it, true. It's no, not we're like not. There's, there's not money on just, this. Just in terms of prognostications, they would have made me look good. The Chicago Cubs at 56 and 54, two and a half games out. The Pittsburgh Pirates, 49 and 69 games out. And the St. Louis Cardinals thought they might be able to crack the top of the Central or at least get a little bit better. They're 48 and 63, well in back of everybody else, 11 games out. In the West. The Los Angeles Dodgers at 63 and 45 lead the way, and then the San Francisco Giants at 61 and 49, three games out. The Arizona Diamondbacks have fallen a little bit on hard times lately. They're 57 and 54, seven and a half out. The San Diego Padres, 54 and 56, 10 games out. Boy, what a disappointment they've been. And then Colorado, 43 and 66, 20 and a half games out, and one of the worst teams in the bigs. So. That's the way it stands. It's likely going to change again um, by the time we get together and, and have another show. But talk about some of these big moves that were made over the last few days, in particularly how they affect the West and how the West will be won. I know you have one on your mind. Talking about the AL West or the NL West? I'm talking about the American League. The Angels being good? You lost me, Marcus. I'm, I'm sorry. Talk, Immediately. I'm, talking, I'm talking about the state of Texas. Oh, well, yeah. You know, there's a yellow rose in Texas. Everything's bigger. In te- you want me to do the whole song with you? <laughs> That's all right. Okay, I'm just saying I can try for you, Marcus. It's not going to end well. Um, the stars are bright. The stars are this- oh, wow. Oh, wow. Sorry, we're, Texas. We're talking, we're talking two different songs. I know we are, but I was trying to get you going on a different one, and then I missed the word. I, I don't... I don't know the one you're Oh, the stars at night are big and bright. Uh Uh-huh. Deep in the heart of Texas. Oh, I got you. Maybe we just know different parts of Texas. I'll tell you what. The money moves. Um, Cohen, Mr. Cohen from the Mets, the Metropolitans, is going to spend $21 million, which is about a million dollars per game. They're out of the playoffs right now, to not have Max Scherzer on his team. It's an incredible amount of money. They're paying Texas... 35 point, uh, roughly $35.5 million through 2024. Scherzer costs Texas $22.5 million. The Mets to pay the Rangers just over $35.5 million through the end of next season, according to the AP. Good gracious, that's Ronald Blum that gave you the details on that. New York Mets paying Texas again $35.5 million over the next 14 months as part of the Max Scherzer trade, leaving the Rangers in effect responsible for $22.5 million owned to the three-time Cy Young Award winner, according to details of the deal obtained by the AP, that'd be the Associated Press. Big money moves. Yeah. I mean, I think the Yankees didn't do much. My Sox didn't do much. That's my AL East. The West is going to be interesting. Shohei Otani is super fun. I don't think he's relevant, um, just because of the record of the Angels. You know, not because he's not great or fun. 
I don't know, Marcus. I think that baseball's baseball. It's pretty wide open. Get in the playoffs, see what happens. I knew that as soon as Scherzer got traded to Texas, I was like, oh boy. I knew that Verlander was going to go back to Houston. I knew that that trade was going to happen, and it indeed did. So the New York Mets lose both their top two starters. I knew that they weren't going to keep one and let the other go via trade. They were going to trade them both or keep them both, and they ended up trading them both. So the Mets are selling and selling big time. Um, I talked, you know, about what the Guardians did, and I want to get your take on that, Kevin, just in terms of them being one of the teams that was kind of uh, in flux. It's hard. It's hard when you've got your top three starters, and they've had some injuries since, unfortunately. But it's hard when you've got your top three starters on the IL trying to make comebacks, and they obviously made the move to get Noah Syndergaard to help out with that. They're going to go continue with kind of the bullpen route once every week and and that type of thing. I know your, your feelings your, of these. Your thoughts, yeah. and I talked about it. I'm, I'm absorbing and understanding all of the moves. You're enduring. I'm, I'm absorbing, understanding, and, and even enduring, uh, not enduring, but enduring some of the things that they've done over the last week. Your, your thoughts on the Guardians, and I know you're not, you know, really invested, but... Like car talk, the problem here is with your engine, kid. And unfortunately, to your point, you really want that starter. But unfortunately, guys, it's not called the starter no more. They got these things called openers. Because the idea is that once you get down to four in the rotation in the playoffs, you're gonna need, those guys got to know how to come out of the bullpen and be effective. So that's why your stat is switching to open is you only got four decent starters. Uh, Savali stinks. I'm sorry. Aaron Savali, you guys really weren't paying him money. Another team will. I think that's why he got moved. But he's someone you want in a stretch Tampa, run. Tampa Bay. They, they got a good one, I think. Do you want Savali? you, you got you got to remember, and, and I'm saying this, you know, as certainly as an Aaron Savali fan, as I was, but the last couple of years, he was hurt. It didn't have anything to do with him on the mound. He was one of the best pitchers there for a while until he got traded, and I understand you want to sell when they're high. I get it, but he could have helped this team. Yeah, you're looking to create value for your guards. I'm not expecting to bring in like a nice back into the, back into the bullpen arm. They, they did okay, but um, it's not like they have any game changers, and... Um, they're just trying to get in. I mean, Tito's a good manager. They're just trying to get into a place where games matter. They got a nice top half. That back, top half rotation is good. into the playoffs. And then they maybe, got a chance to do that with Colt Calhoun. Yeah, and so maybe you get a game in the cold where you got a little bit of an advantage, and then you sneak one out at a home game, you know, that's probably going to be in a place like Tampa. Who knows? And, uh, you know, it's easy to win one in the first series, especially if not playing in. And then you, again, you get your, uh, your starters right in the line. I don't think your guards have any less of a chance than the New York Yankees. And how, long, how many years do you say that, Marcus? Boy. It's been a while. Probably probably got to go back to 2007 when they beat New York in the ALCS, or ALDS, rather, to face your Boston Red Sox in the ALCS. Uh, I still haven't gotten over that one. We were up 3-1. to one. I know, we got a ring and, out of it. And we let you get through there with three straight. You ended up taking on Colorado, and you ended up sweeping them in four. If that would have been us... I have no doubt we'd have a World Series ring. Mike Lowell, ever heard of him? I felt the same way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I felt the same way. The Lowell man. I mean, he was, he was the super fun guy to cheer for. I felt the same oh, way in the uh, the 90s when you guys beat up on my uh, 
my Mo Vaughn led Red Sox, my M- 1995 MVP Red Sox, Wade we Boggs. Did. Remember Wade Boggs before Tampa? Before he got retired in Tampa? Anywho. I liked this deal, Marcus. You talk about the money on the other side of that big deal. Um, again, just the Mets hemorrhaging money. It's apparently, baseball is more than just a really fun Timmy Trumpet song and Edwin Diaz coming out. you got to win some games with that kind of a payroll. It stinks, man, because they really do have some great talent on that team. And yeah. I'm not opposed to the idea of having two aces up top for a playoff run, but when you're 21 games out, it's time to get rid of the money. The move that Kevin's talking about was the Justin Verlander trade. $35 million and $17.5 million more if his 2025 option vests. The Mets received outfielder Drew Gilbert. Outfielder Ryan Clifford, and uh, we'll see how that works. But again, and this according to CBSSports.com, again, I knew that he was heading back to Houston as soon as the move happened to certainly get Max Scherzer away from the Big Apple and get him to Arlington, Texas. I knew (laughs) that Verlander was heading back to Houston. Everything's bigger in Texas, especially starting pitchers' contracts. Can these guys like old Clemens and really old? You've seen? I'm sure you spilled, have you seen Nolan Ryan throw the first pitch recently? No. He's just still remarkable. He he's Nolan freaking Ryan, man. <laughs> uh, my point being, um, everybody finds a little extra legs through the heat of Texas. It stretches you out. Hopefully, it leads to a playoff run that matters for these big, old, meaningful arms out of Texas. Fun for the state of Texas. Everything's bigger. Contracts, the hearts, the stars at night. It's going to be very interesting. That that certainly includes the yellow rose as well of Texas. Um, going to be really fun to see what happens. And uh, Why not a red rose? Red rose is love. What's the yellow one? Friendship? There is, the a, friendly there, rose? Is a, there is a song called the yellow. And, and I'm sorry for, for folks if I'm being a little bit vague here. It's actually on the Choral Society program. That, uh, that we're doing with the Pops concert, there's a song titled The Yellow Rose of Texas. Ooh la la. I, I learn something new every day on this podcast. You Marcus. do? Yeah. Texas. I, I do too, from, yeah. from time to time. We, we educate each other, as well as our audience. Stephen Austin's more than just a really fun wrestler? Who knew? Awesome, three sixteen. Baseball's back. It's in the hot stove uh, time. It's really fun because I like seeing the old pitchers and teams that matter. Good for you, Texas. We salute you. We do indeed. Texas was definitely the state that was the winner of this trade deadline with those moves being made. Um, what What do you think as far as possible World Series? I mean, it could get really interesting. I think I think Atlanta is. Far and away the best in the National League. The American League, though, it could be Texas. It could be Houston. Um, you know, it's it's just wild and crazy. It could be Tampa Bay. My Sox even. are playing the Blue Jays right now aren't bad. And we still haven't mentioned the Orioles who lead the division. And the Orioles lead the division. It's crazy. Wild. It's just, it is absolutely crazy at this point. And, and who knows who's going to represent the American League. I don't think it's going to be the Guardians, as I predicted before the season started. You never know. It's not going to be the Mets. I know that for sure. 21 games is a lot of games. Also, don't bet the Savannah Bananas. As much as you might want to bet the Savannah Bananas, do not do that. Bad plan. 
Although they do have games that end on fan file balls, so hey, you never know. There, there is that. That'll do it for this segment, talking baseball. When we come back, we're going to be talking the business of what's going on in college football with college right around the corner, and soon we will be making our predictions for that and the other areas of gridiron, um, not in this edition, but in, in one here in just a little bit, uh, as well as the NFL getting their season kicked off with the Pro Football Hall of Fame game, Jets and Browns. The enshrinements today uh, certainly want to talk about a couple of old AFC East players that uh, went up against your New England Patriots a time or two that both got enshrined today. And uh, so we'll talk about that and a whole lot more. The Marcus Walsh Show continues after you hear this from Larry and certainly from Tyler Brown, Multimedia. More of the show next. Timeout. All right. Remember, we're a team that plays together. Listen, the winning will take care of itself. We just have to get everyone involved. In interscholastic sports, we celebrate what makes every one of us unique. And in the pursuit of a common goal, everyone in the huddle, in the bleachers, and in the community comes together. This message presented by the SCHSL and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association. Welcome back into the Marcus Wall Show here from the Batcave. Marcus and Kevin back with you. And we are going to talk college football and the realignment scenarios before we get into the pro football landscape and what's going on with the Hall of Fame game that happened the other night. Cleveland took on New York. And as well, the enshrinement ceremonies that I've caught uh, a little bit of, have it recorded as well. Certainly looking forward to hearing from Joe Thomas, one former Cleveland Brown. But my goodness, there are so many just realignment scenarios that are happening and teams are dropping out of conferences like flies getting smashed by a flyswatter. You know, it's just crazy what's going on right now in college football leading up into this season. Part of what I think is so fun about it for me is to watch... Deion Sanders. I grew up with primetime. And dang it, if the guy didn't figure out young that TV rights really matter in both baseball, he was a Cincinnati Red, and... An Atlanta Falcon. And... A Dallas Cowboy. And... Um, Dallas, Atlanta... Joe Montana. Uh, San, San Francisco? Francisco? I'll have to look that one up. You think he would have played San Francisco against Dallas in a contract year? Made Jerry overpay for him. So, Neon Dion has always figured out money in sports. And I just love that Colorado is being led by Neon Dion Sanders. It's fascinating. Stanford's an Ivy League school, and they're on the outside looking in right now with three other schools and a pack, a pack four. What's happening? Money in sports. Eyeballs, TV. We're definitely going to talk at some point about that and so many other things in terms of all different levels of sports with Larry Jackamot when we can get him on the show because he, he's been around a lot of it for a long, long time. Atlanta, San Francisco, Dallas, Washington, even the Baltimore Ravens. We're talking Neon Dion Sanders Neon kid. Dion. Yeah. Yes. And then as a coach, Prime, T uh, Prime Prep Academy in Texas, Triple A Academy in Texas, Trinity Christian School in Texas, Jackson State, where he was there for just a few years, and now he's at Colorado. 
moving from the Pac-12 back to the Big 12 makes me think of, you know, the great games with them and Nebraska every other year. You know, they or every year they alternate. On the Black Friday, it was typically 3.30 on ABC. If it wasn't at 3.30, it was on noon. On at noon. The great team of Brad Nessler, Bob Greasy, Lynn Swan would alternate with the great team of Brent Musburger, Gary Danielson, and Jack Root. They would have that game. They also did a lot of Texas A&M Texas on that uh, Black Friday as well, back when... It was the glory days of ABC, you know, Keith Jackson, Dan Fouts, Todd Harris. They would have a lot of games, particularly on the West Coast, a lot of USC, um, UCLA, that that type of thing. Um, occasionally some Oregon State back in there. But, yeah, it's just wild and crazy. You were talking about the Pac-12 all of a sudden turning into the Pac-4. It's USC, Oregon. Uh, no, Oregon is likely headed to the Big Ten along with Washington, USC, um, Stanford, I believe is still with the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. The, the other two. Arnold of the what state? Uh, that's probably offensive to this uh, voice now. Uh, what was he, he the governor of? Sonny Bono, governor of? Fun state to say, lots of syllables. 33 million people. Two senators. Well, California. California. Well, yeah, that's uh, USC... Uh-huh. And, um, and they're, they're from the state of California, so what would be one of those schools, maybe? I think UCLA is headed to the Big Ten. Cal State. Um, and Berkeley. Well, I said UCLA, I think, is headed to the Big Ten. Yeah. Cal- with- but the, the, the full left in the Pacific Ten of California, Cal State, Stanford, right? Berkeley. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah heading to the Big 12. Um, I'm Cal, yep. Stanford, mm-hmm. Oregon State. OSU. And Washington State look like they are sticking with the Pac-12. Everybody else, it's... Am, am I reading that right, Kev? Just oh, yeah, we're just top. reading the way it was uh, written up here on ESPN. By Pete Thamel. Very well done. Mark is new from the picture, I'm thinking. So, there, yeah. yes. Well done. So, yeah, good grief. Um, Arizona State, Arizona, Utah heading to the Big 12. Cincinnati to the Big 12. I think BYU to the Big 12. Where's my TV contract? Oi. It's, uh, it's crazy. I, I think I've heard recently, and this isn't, legit going to happen but i think i've heard clemson and alabama uh not alabama they're in the sec already clemson and florida state likely to the sec um at sec media days last month sec commissioner craig sankey said the league is very attentive of what's happening around the them and college football sources within the sec indicate there has certainly been chatter recently among the athletic directors about adding more teams simply as a reaction to recent events, but there's also a reality to the finances component that they are to ask each other if they're willing to share revenue with more schools. There are certain sources of income beyond the television money that don't fluctuate much, like the conference championship games, the baseball tournaments, etc. Bottom line is, who would they add that's available and drives value? 
ACC schools like North Carolina, Virginia, Florida State, Clemson have tangled in a legal web of uh, stuff that includes hefty exit fees, grant of rights that extends through 2036. That's a long time. This according to ESPN. Um, so there's there's a lot of teams that are switching and shifting. Heather Dinich and company do a great job with uh, providing information on this. Certainly Pete Thamel, Paul Feinbaum for ESPN. They, they all do a great job. So it's just, it's wild and crazy, and it's not going to end anytime soon. You could end up seeing Ohio State and USC playing each other again in the regular season, certainly in the not-so-distant future as members of the Big Ten. UCLA was the other team that dropped the ball with USC that they were going to move, and that was the start of all this. I mean, Notre Dame's independent for one reason and one reason only, and that eyeballs, is, TV contract. That is that TV contract and the eyeballs with NBC. Do, do, do. That's a sixth, by the way, folks. That's the interval. The more you know. Sports and music, my forte on the Marcus Hall Show. Um, Maybe even a fifth day. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, maybe maybe a sixth day with with the fact that it's a sixth. Yeah, your sixth or your seventh do, sense do, for sure. Do. The more you know. Remember the '90s kids? Remember NBC? Yeah, those are the days. So it's just wild. It's crazy. We're getting close to the start of the college football season as well, and uh, brace yourselves, folks. Hang on tight. Be buckled in because it's going to be crazy. Speaking of media day, you got to do a bunch of the local coverage, talking about the kids under the helmets there. Um, Did and talked about it in the monologue. Oh, cool. Yep. All right. I'm going to have to drag into that. I just wanted if, to make if, sure that... If you have questions for me, fire away. I miss covering it. How are the kids doing? Was it fun? They all fired up? Yeah. Who looks good? Who's big? Who's yeah, big? it was great. Um, Who's the one that walks in the door and you're like, oh, they're bigger than me. I can't look this one in the eye. He's too big. i got to tell you, just in, term, in terms of size, and I, and I mentioned to you off the air... The six teams that I'm looking forward to seeing the most and I think really have a chance to do some very good things, that being in Skiza, certainly Buford, in no particular order, Buford Academy, Hilton Head Christian Academy, and John Paul II. And in the high school league, uh, no particular order, Bluffton, Buford, and I've got my eye on Hilton Head as well. You were talking really high on May River, and we were talking high on them on the phone getting ready for today um they are huge you talk you talk about who's big i mean hilton head's got some big boys a lot of these teams have some big boys but richard bonneville former offensive coordinator now head coach of may river they walked in i'm like whoa they are all gigantic the, the kids that were there the other day and we saw cheerleaders as well got to talk to casey sullivan the new athletic director at Whale Branch, got to talk to Kevin Gadson of FWDG, um, talking about what's going on with the shop and everything there. He even talked about his days at Hilton Head High as a football player. All this coming up on Facebook and certainly with Bob Stevens on WHHI with the news starting yesterday and going through until we've got that first game on August 18th. Loco, WTOC, they were also there. Check out their outlets. Check out their information. It was absolutely phenomenal a great a very busy fast-paced energetic but great media day and uh thanks to fat babies for providing the food for the guys and and certainly for larry jackamot joseph keith doing the the running of the food certainly and, and all the crew and everything 
was uh, was really, really good. Oh, we, we missed you, pal. We missed you. I missed that coverage. It's a fun day. Bob Stevens has a new podcast. Our guy. And I was going to mention this to open up the segment, but Bob has a great podcast on Loco. Uh, his producer is Justin Jarrett. And it's him, Rich Basirico, and Curry Kirkpatrick, Rich Basirico, Hall of Fame coach. Bob, of course, many years all over the country covering sports and certainly was at the Worldwide Leader for uh, for quite some time there, too. PGA Radio, local news. He covered, you know, his cover... Has, has was, done stuff all over the country. He had the mid-'90s Indians. Can tell you what Mike Hargrove was like and Jim Tomey's joke style. Yeah. Um, Fun guy. Oh, tre- yeah, and started tre- Sports Center, tre- of course. Tremendous... Tremendous time um, listening to the first two episodes there. Rich Basirico, great guy, former athletic director at Hilton Head Prep, has been around this area for a long, long time. Curry Kirkpatrick of Sports Illustrated as well. The three of them are just three uh, three grumpy guys walking into a podcast, apparently. that's uh, Distant Replay is the official title of the show. Distant and it's, it's great. Replay. Not, yeah. a, not a near near-term replay. Going way back into the distant replay. Great show. Yes, and and certainly if you want to check out another show, I haven't given much of a uh, a plug for this one as well recently. But Bruin Company, great great show with my buddy Matt Brubaker from the state of Ohio. He's got you know me from time to time on as a guest, others as well. Just talking sports, talking life, talking about whatever he feels like talking about. It's a great show, and then Loco's got a bunch of podcasts coming up, um, getting ready for the football season. They've got their Lowdown podcast. They've got the Pigskin Live podcast coming up. All of the stuff that they do on their site via social media, via TV with WHHI and uh, Justin Jarrett's Last Night and the Loco Reports on the news, all that stuff. And then you've got this show as well. Larry, Daniel, the rest of the crew, we're going to be giving you games and more information and whatnot within the news and and the like we'll be back on talk of the town as well coming up here soon daniel and i talking uh football and and whatnot so it's going to be great it's it's been great i've been really plugged in for about the last three weeks on what's going on because we are starting our season earlier and uh it's it's fun we hope you can join us for uh some of the games you know top camera side camera you name it we we'd love to have you Oh, you just plug me in. You know how that goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm back in communication with uh, the station, so I'm hoping I can be for all of them. Um, but, boy, is it fun to cover football, Marcus. We're back, baby. And, of course, then basketball, and you'll be alongside with me for that as the, the color guy, the, the analyst. You can't shake me. It's like that, uh, what's the character in uh, Rookie of the Year? It's like I beamed him in the mind, and he's been with me ever since. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was the manager talking about, the good old pitching coach, Phil Brigma. Brigma! My lucky seeds. Sal, Sal Manila. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Sal Manila, but it's Sal something. The the manager of the Cubs. Rosenberger. Garden hoser. <laughs> Rennemacher. What did he call me? Rowan Gardner. You're going in. What did he call me? <laughs> um, great movie. I highly recommend it. Let's talk a uh, little bit of NFL. What? A game between the Browns and Jets. I only saw a little bit of it because the TV was kind of going in and out. I think there were some storms around the Savannah area. So I was also coming from Bluffton back to the island. 
So I didn't see much of it, but back and forth it went. The Browns were down and were down big. They were down at halftime 16-7, to but they ended up coming back, scoring two touchdowns, one in the third, one in the fourth, winning 21-16 to over Aaron Rodgers and the New York Football Jets. That's right, I said Aaron Rodgers and the New York Football Jets. Again, the starters only play about a series with this, especially with the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. And so the Browns start off 1-0. and They're looking, you know, like this could be a big season for them. Who knows who's going to win that AFC North? A lot of people really like the Jets. Again, we'll have our predictions on the season here soon because we're getting closer and closer to the start of the NFL season. It's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens. You got a few weeks of preseason, and then the games kick off. And how about the Thursday night? football game to kick off the season on NBC. Dun, 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 The Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Detroit Lions. And a lot of people think, of course, the game will be in Kansas City with the fact that they won the Super Bowl over Philadelphia. A lot of people think Detroit can win that division. I don't know if I'm one of them, but... They're going to be much improved, to say the least. People are high on Detroit. They really do like them. Do you think they won the golf trade? What say you, kid? Moreover, how's the GM world going since they got rid of Matt Patricia? I mean, I, I think that they certainly did. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Down, down the stretch, certainly, with Matthew Stafford. But they they look to be really improved, and they did it primarily with drafting. Um, odds to make the playoffs, 165. You bet 165 to win 100. Odd to win the NFC North or the NFC North's division, 140. You bet 100 to win 140 bucks. They're plus 2,200 to win the Super Bowl. I don't see that happening. Um Again, I haven't even started to break down games and, and that type of thing with records and, and doing all that. I've been locked and loaded in, into a, you know the high school league and the Skiza league for the moment. But I'll have that ready by, by September when we get rolling for, uh, for games because I, I really want to see your thoughts on it. And, uh, and I'll have some as well for sure. So we'll, we'll have that coming up but that was a great way to start the season and leaning into that was the fact that Cleveland was playing in Canton for the first time since 99 who did they play in 99 trivia question Tom Brady's first game and you were there wrong oh um you were there Tom Brady's first time though playing in a game I believe I was yeah when they took on San Francisco yeah all right small little side note uh 99 against the Browns fall hall of fame game Yes. Oh, preseason game? God, I, I would not remember that for any real reason, would I? Why would I remember? Tell me uh, more. I'm just... I'm just oh, no, Steelers. Do... Shoot. What do you want? Nope. The okay. Dallas Cowboys. Cool. America's team. Supposedly. How about them Cowboys? How about them? I think they're going to be very good. I don't think they're the best team in the division. I think that's Philadelphia. Yeah, the birds are... The birds are up. Bird is the word. Bird is the word. Um, Congratulations to the... Hall of Fame inductees for the season. Revis Continent. Ever heard of it? I haven't heard of Revis Continent, but I've heard of Revis Island. 
It's like Australia, you know? Oceania, Australia. It's really all about the proper nomenclature of your choosing. To me, the man could hold down probably Antarctica as well, you know? He was quick, quick in his feet. I saw him for years as a jet. Really remarkable jet. Fun to watch him as a Patriot, obviously, because I'm a total homer. But Revis was sick. I mean, you could hold down the whole side of the field and let people like Rex Ryan blitz with an extra line. You know, basically, you always have one more than what they can block. Because you got Revis out there just shutting down a whole chunk of the field. Tremendous player. Cool beard. All right. You want to do the other guy? The other guy that I had mentioned as far as the AFC and another rival team of Kevin Libby's favorite team, the New England Patriots. A rival. One Zach Thomas out of the state of Texas, going back to the Texas connection. He went to Texas Tech. I got to see a good portion of his speech earlier. That man was a beast. I mean, you talk about some of the great linebackers of our day growing up. You certainly talk about Brian Urlacher. You certainly talk about for what he did on the field. You talk about Ray Lewis. You bring up another very good one in Jason Taylor. Is one that you talk about, and, and Zach Thomas played with the guy in got, Miami. Who got more sacks, Jason uh, Thomas or, or Taylor? I think it had to have been Thomas. That dude was a freaking animal. Um, but Zach Thomas, holy crap. What a beast. Um, so the the members in their uh, into the Hall of Fame on ESPN.com, Rondé Barber, cornerback from Tampa Bay, 97 to 2012. Outstanding. Just terrific. Uh, 20 and a half sacks. I'm sorry, what was the question that you asked me? Oh, during his career, Zach Thomas had 20 and a half sacks. Boom. The question was, he had more than Jason. Than Jason Taylor. Yeah. So, he had 20 and a half. Pretty gnarly. Which is how many uh, that uh, Watt's brother got in a season, yeah? Sure. Don Coryell, the head coach with the St. Louis Cardinals, the San Diego Chargers, had great players. And Jason Taylor had 139 and a half. Whoa. Yikes. That's, that is a ton. But was Taylor a linebacker or a defensive end on the line? I'd say he was he more was, of an edge, as he we was, call him now. Correct. He was slight, but he was on the line. Taylor was a middle linebacker. Oh, 100%. He was like a Bill Romanowski type. Yeah, you think of him, uh, Ray Lewis, Brian Erlacher. He was... He was built like one of those guys, ready for just punishing hits. Who is the kid that uh, retired? Lee Kukley? Keekley? Luke? Luke Keekley, yeah. There from, it is. From Carolina. I thought he was a pretty good comp. For Zach Thomas? Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't think Thomas was as big of a hitter as Ray Lewis. That's that's true. But look at his personal life. Look at that. Jason Taylor and his wife Monica have a son. They currently reside in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Oh, I didn't realize that it was his ex-wife. Forgive me. I knew that uh, Zach Thomas was... Uh, Brothers-in-law with uh, Jason. That was what I was getting at. Anyways, back to you, big guy. Chuck Howley, linebacker for the Chicago Bears, Dallas Cowboys in the 50s and 60s. His son presented and uh, spoke on his behalf since his passing. Or maybe not his passing, but he was was not there uh, 
today. Joe Klecko, defensive end and tackle for the New York Jets, the Indianapolis Colts. Mike Greenberg, big fan of Joe Klecko. Darrell Rivas, cornerback, New York Jets, 2007-2012, to 2015-16. Tampa Bay had his name in 2013, the New England Patriots in 14, and then the Kansas City Chiefs in 17. Ken Riley, cornerback for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's the one that I was thinking of that was was not there. Uh, from 69 to 83, he played for Cincinnati. Joe Thomas, 2007 to 2017, all 10 years with the Cleveland Browns. He was a stud. That's one that's just... A baller. Yeah. And as my brother said via text uh, yesterday morning, Joe Thomas doesn't really look very much like a tackle anymore. He looks like a wide receiver. He has shed a lot of weight. He looks really good. He's like, uh, who's the center for the uh, Colts that retired? Peyton's guy? Jeff Saturday. Yeah, he just looks like a regular guy now. Yeah, absolutely. Zach Thomas, linebacker, Miami, 96-07. He played for the Dallas Cowboys in 2008. I don't seem to remember that. Well, I, I, I'm sure he wants you to forget it. Um, a little, <laughs> little correction on Kevin here. Um, 22 and a half sacks is the most in one season. It was done by both Michael Strahan and T.J. Watt. I remember Strahan vividly. It was against Green Bay. He's, he had like a little half sack against Brett Favre, and, and that got him the record. Uh, DeMarcus Ware, outside, and that was back in the day. Uh, DeMarcus Ware, outside linebacker. He was special. I like DeMarcus, cowboy. 2005 to 2015, and then a Denver Bronco from 14 to 16. Great player, and I think that's it. I'll go over the math with my head, but just talk about some of these players and, and your thoughts on them. I like Ware a lot. Big-time big edge player in those Cowboys schemes where um, Cowboys were just fun, you know? I mean, he was someone you could rely on. Cowboys always have to have a high-end linebacker to run what they do under most of what they've had, Wade Phillips specifically. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, I love a good defense. That's what it's supposed to be. If you're a defensive player that literally changes the way the game is played, if the other team is game-planning around you, then, yeah, you're a Hall of Famer. That's how that goes. You're voted in by your peers for the most part, right? And also the sports writers? Right. And the coaches? Yeah. Um, great class. That was it. All nine. And uh, just a a great class. And a lot of guys that we know about, too. So that's going to make for some really good watching back of the enshrinement ceremonies. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> if... You had to pick, and I'm not sure how much you've seen of the enshrinement ceremony speeches and whatnot. Did did you watch much of them at all? Have you ever watched much of them at all? Not really. No. I mean, if my Patriots get one, I mean, I'm watching those and the uh, Patriots Hall of Fame ones, but not really. Few and far between. I have to really love the player. Like Curtis Martin? Yeah. Curtis, my favorite Martin. He was the man. Um, it depends who it is. You know, Randy Moss was a fun one for me. Obviously, I'll watch Tommy. How yeah. about Chris Carter? Oh, Chris talking about talking about someone to talk about Randy a little bit. Um, yeah, Chris Carter, I've seen bits and pieces. Is there one that stands out to you? Because Chris Carter's speech may go down for me as one of the best I've ever heard in terms of the NFL Hall of Fame enshrinement. I thought Terrell Owens was extremely entertaining. In terms of meaningful and powerful to me, um... Here's a weird one. No one likes Marino. I, I thought Marino was, like, pretty cool. Because he was a kid that I think a lot of people thought was snooty. And uh, 
because I, I was so good at the University of Miami and all through his career, probably the best quarterback to never win a Super Bowl. I, I liked him. I liked him a lot. Bledsoe was big for me. He was generational talent. I don't know, man. I think that's the personal side of it, where you kind of really get, like, Richard Seymour, you know, the guys who you grew up with who you listen to their voice in press conferences since you were a kid. Those are the ones I like. And then most famously, of course, you listen to, like, a Jim Brown or somebody, someone that really changed the day. It's fun. No, no question about that. It's a, it's a great time of year. There's a reason why this episode is titled The Dog Days of Summer, because we've covered so many things in a short amount of time around this time of year late summer early fall pretty soon the leaves will be changing the temperatures will be dropping but it's still very much the dog days of summer with the the temps out here in the south um the way they are and and around and you know a lot of situations too we talked about this before with the uh smog and all the stuff coming up from canada that's still very much a situation going on in uh in certain areas of the world, let alone certain areas of the United States as well. So certainly hoping everybody stays healthy and, and whatnot with with that for sure. Um, what else is going on with you? I mean, this is the first time that we've done this in a month. Lots of lots of stuff going on, right? Oh, I mean, it's <laughs> my usual, Marcus. It's high summer, so I'm in that pool as much as I can possibly be in the pool. You and I are possibly going to go to a... Uh, a place for libations after the show. Sounds good. So I know you're into the old coconuts. I saw that Coco's on the beach. You can get a beer and a shot, a cerveza and a shot of uh, tequila for $6. So I'll drink the shot if you'll drink the cerveza. And we could have ourselves a time staring at the people on the beach. Sounds like a possible plan. I mean, you asked what's new and what's shaking. I'm living in the moment, baby. And uh, the show's fun. Always happy to be with you, my guy. It's a, it's a, always a treat. You know, this is the dessert of my week. And um, boy, oh boy, we're going to top it off with cervezas and uh, tequila. Uh, maybe a little tapas. Ooh, what, what's tapas? Just Small plates? Snacks, yeah. Okay, cool. Since, since we're talking, you know, Spanish. Sure. I thought libations was pretty complicated. That's English, but it's got my <laughs> You know, it's all of these translation, regardless. Yeah. Um, lots of busy stuff going on. With, with yours truly and whatnot, check out the shows that I've mentioned, please. Appreciate that. You know, check out this one. It's It's been fun bringing it to you. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we uh, we wrap it up? Lots going on with, with football season and the business of sport and baseball season winding down. We're already into August, so we have like two months left until playoff time. It's, uh, it's crazy. Oh, the mm-hmm. Cleveland Cavaliers. I, I forgot to mention this in my open. I didn't even think of it. The Cleveland Cavaliers ended up winning the Summer League Championship. Congrats to Cleveland. That was a big, big week. Be, uh, a big, uh, I shouldn't say a big week, but a big day because the Cleveland Browns got new helmets. They were white with the orange and brown stripe down the center of the helmet from the front to the back. Kind of like what the Pittsburgh Steelers would do in gold. And the Cleveland Guardians got a big win that night. And then the Cleveland Cavaliers end up winning the Summer League Championship. Maybe that's on its way to, to proving something about what they can do. You never know. It's going to be uh, going to be interesting. There's there's a lot of stuff you know swirling around about Donovan Mitchell. Is he going to stick around? Is he going to possibly go somewhere else? There's some of the stuff that has been going on with the trade rumors and whatnot. Um, certainly glad that Bronny James is okay. 
from the incident that happened with him with the cardiac arrest on the practice field down in California around the L.A. area where uh, he and his dad LeBron and the family live. Certainly glad everything's okay with him. NBA season, we were just talking about the NFL and college football. Pretty soon we're going to be talking about college basketball and the NBA because practices and whatnot and uh, for college are going to start around November. Games will start towards the end of November. And then you'll have uh, the NBA, which is going to be getting going with their preseason. And their season will start no later than around Halloween. So basketball is going to be getting around and starting up. I mean, it'll be starting up for us here in the low country with the local high school hoops uh, towards the end of November into December. We'll start our season in January, but basketball all of a sudden is creeping up on us too. It's the super fun sport to play. It really is. Bruin Company. B-R-U-N. As in gnarly. Which probably has a G in it. It has a G in it. As in Nicholas. Brew. B-R-U-N. As in... Nicholas. Or... (laughs) Nathan. Or... Uh, Nifty. Sure is. (laughs) Company. Company, yes. And not just the short past, but the distant past. Distant replay. It's, It's great. Distant replay. Our guy Bob Stevens who used to call me the king of all media when all, uh, we shared a, a news news junket there. All of the other stuff that Loco's doing, Loco Sports, they're, they're terrific. Justin Jarrett, Wesker, all of his guys. He's got roving reporters. Roving at, reporters. At games, on sites, you name it, he's got it. If you like Marcus's not just alliteration, but also colorful, beautiful words, look out for Low Country WHHI Sports. It's coming back, baby. Daniel and I plan on being on Talk of the Town. Uh, talking the scope of uh, high school football, certainly the games that we'll have, doing a whole lot more of that as well into this new year. Certainly this show, and by new year I mean new season, this show's been great uh, for the few years that, we've, that we're doing it, yeah. and we're going to continue to roll. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. As well, yeah. Thanks so much to you. Appreciate you being here. Thanks to Larry Jackamot. Thanks to Tyler Brown, TBMM Productions, for the voiceovers and the tunes in that order, we hope to actually have Larry with us sometime here very soon, whether in studio or a pre-recorded interview with him. One way or the other, we're going to get Larry on because he's got a lot that he wants to share for sure. For Kevin Libby, for all of us here at the Marcus Walsh Show, I am Marcus Walsh. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Dog Days of Summer. This has been the Marcus Walsh Show. We'll see you around again soon. And until then, so long, everybody. I said let dog. Let dog.